When you watch the Grand Floral Parade, and I recommend this to people when they look at the parade, to look for the stories behind the stories. Um, what's really important to me as an event producer is to build layers of context into an event. So you might be looking at that float and think, wow, that's a really cool float, and look, it's got yay many roses on it or, or whatever. But there's probably a story behind the story of how that float was selected or, or who decorated it or um, what the meaning of that particular float th- theme might have for someone. From the studios of Kink Radio, it's the Portland 50, a podcast series about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The Portland 50 series is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. I'm your host, Peggy LaPointe. Today I talk with Marilyn Clint, Chief Operating Officer and Director of Events and Communications at the Portland Rose Festival. When the Lewis and Clark Exposition was going on in 1905, Mayor Harry Lane thought we should have a yearly festival. Is that it? That's exactly right. He saw what this World's Fair, this exposition was really a World's Fair, and it had brought so many people to this small town on the West Coast, Portland. And it had brought an influx of guests, and it had brought money, and it had brought um, notoriety to Portland of a good sort you know, not about Portland being rainy or being full of stumps in the streets or whatever. <laughs> it was about um, Portland being a great place to come visit. And he wanted to keep that going. So he actually invested 100 bucks of his own money. And that was a lot of money back in 1905 mm-hmm. to get it started. And he made the speech right after the exposition ended and called for an annual Rose Carnival, the Rose Festival. And then two years later... In 1907, the first one. Two years later, it it happened. Uh, Last year, during the Rose Festival, we actually celebrated the anniversary of Mayor Harry Lane's death. So he died a very young man in his early 60s. He was really younger than me when he passed away. (laughs) And at the time, he was in the Senate. He was representing Oregon in the Senate. And he was against going to war, World War I. So he was not popular. No. He was not popular when he was mayor of Portland either. (laughs) (laughs) He had a lot of issues, uh, good old Mayor Harry. And I've been so close to him. We call him the father of Rose Festival. And I made it a mission to celebrate him because he was a man ahead of his time. He believed in health care for everyone. He was a proponent of the homeless, of the people um, who were underserved in the community. Women's rights. Women's rights. He he, um, appointed the first woman police officer and Mm -hmm. woman health officer. And, And he had daughters himself. And he had a very strong wife. And he was a proponent of all these things we talk about today. And that wasn't popular. No. Some hundred more years ago. And so I just really wanted to give Harry the chance to be known in Portland and to be recognized. So we had a Mayor Harry Lane Day last year (laughs) um, on the day that he had passed away a hundred years ago and celebrated him. And we've actually had him as a living history character for 10 years. I saw that um, on your website. Since our centennial. And we've taken him out to schools. He's talked to 
thousands of students um, and talked about Portland and what it was like. And we had the same actor portray him for those 10 years, fantastic actor. And so we got to honor him last year, and it was really fun. That is fun. Well, you mentioned that you've been with the Rose Festival a long time. (laughs) How long? 40-some years. That's amazing. Um, We celebrated 40 a few years back. And so a lot of people thought, since we celebrated me, I must have retired. <laughs> so I saw people look at me like, you're still around? <laughs> yeah, I am a Rose Festival relic myself. Well, and you're from Portland. <laughs> I am from Portland. I mean, this is your heart and soul, obviously. Exactly. I went to Roosevelt High School in North Portland. And in 1965, Roosevelt had the Rose Festival Queen. And at the time, I was 10 years old. And I still remember my mom coming home from the Queen's coronation. And I remember cars honking. I remember the sound of excitement in the neighborhood. And back in those days, you didn't have cell phones. You couldn't go (laughs) online and see who the Rose Festival Queen was. But we heard all this excitement. We ran outside. And Sally had become Rose Festival Queen. And Roosevelt had the Rose Festival Queen. It was just a huge, big deal to us. And that leaves an impression on a 10-year-old. It it does. Most definitely. I was looking over the history of the Rose Festival, and we were talking a little bit before we turned the microphones on. I've been in Portland now for, you know, 20-some years, and it's always just been here. And I enjoy it every year, and, you know, it's kind of neat every year to see things come together. But it just sort of happens, and I know it doesn't just sort of happen. (laughs) Most often asked question, what do you do the rest of the year? (laughs) You get ready for the next one. One of the first things I went to when it came to the Rose Festivals, I remember going to the Children's Parade with my niece years ago, seeing the uh, the Children's Parade on the Hollywood District. And the Children's Parade is part or became part of the Junior Rose Festival. It was almost a separate festival on the east side. Is that true? Well, 100 years ago, back in 1918, there was no Rose Festival because of World War One. Right. But there was still a Junior Rose Festival. The, the folks in that district, the kids, had their own festival. And later on, that did get incorporated into Rose Festival, became the Junior Parade. We used to have a Junior Court as well. Oh, I didn't know that. And we did. So okay. it was quite the thing. There were a lot of myths and legends about how the Junior Parade got started. Um, but the kids wanted to have a Junior Parade, and there, so there's still this vibrant Junior Parade that happens every year in the Hollywood District. And a lot of kids go. A lot of kids. Yep. You mentioned that for a time during World War II, there was no Rose Festival. How many years was that? That uh, Well, that would have been during World War One. Yeah, 100 years ago during World War One, yeah. there was no Rose Festival. I was just reading about it a couple days ago about how they came up with the decision that it wasn't a good time to have that celebration because right. the world was at war, but they wanted to bring it back the next year to celebrate victory, which is exactly what happened, a huge festival the year later. During World War II... There were no big outdoor events in the country. So not just Rose Festival, but there was no Tournament of Roses parade. There was no Mardi Gras. Uh, The U.S. government had said, we're not going to have these big outdoor events because they were afraid of attacks. There was still a Rose Festival, however, Mm. those four years of World War II. 
And it was really based around the Rose Festival Court Mm -hmm. and keeping the home fires burning. And so those queens and courts back uh, during the war years really did a lot of things like christening ships and welcoming um, folks home from the war, Mm. visiting hospitals, um, just fundraising, lots of fundraising for the war, um, selling war bonds. And the first year of the war, back in 1942, Lana Turner came from Hollywood, and Mm -hmm. she was made um, an honorary princess of the Rose Festival Court, and she sold kisses to raise money (laughs) for war bonds here in Portland. I'm sure that went over well. uh, It looks like it did. Yes. I wasn't actually here. I feel like I was, though. But (laughs) it um, it was an interesting time, and still a Rose Festival. Indoor events. Indoor events, yeah. Uh, You mentioned the court, and when you go up to the Rose Garden, you see the bronze plaques on the ground with their signatures and the year. So it's been since 1930 that a queen has been selected from the high school court. It's evolved a little bit, but there was a lot that I didn't know about until I started digging into a little bit. I didn't realize that the court for five weeks at the end of the school year they're traveling around they're out of school and they're really representing portland and it's around the state because i recall seeing photos of them in pendleton and and what have you so you're you were telling me it's stayed essentially the same it it is much the same in that it's based in the same traditional high schools but it's expanded to other schools Mm -hmm. so young women um, who are outside the pil outside um, the boundaries of portland can now be rose festival queen serve on the court Uh, but ultimately it's still the same commitment it was you know 75 80 years ago where you're giving up a piece of your high school life um, to travel around and take Rose Festival to the community. Um, A lot of times the community that can't come enjoy Rose Festival. So they do make visits um, all around the state, mostly in the in the greater Portland region. Uh, But they do go down to Salem and get to meet with the governor, which Mm -hmm. is a thrill for them. And they go to Pendleton. That's a long-time traditional relationship between, you know, one of Oregon's great events, the Mm -hmm. Pendleton Roundup, and they get together with the Roundup Court and the Happy Canyon Princesses and spend an overnight trip to Pendleton. They take a trip to the coast as well. But most of their visits, and it's over a hundred visits, happen in the month of May and happen around Portland, whether it be um, community organizations, nursing homes, hospitals. They do a lot of community service projects. I compare it to what was done back in the war years. You mentioned that the court was keeping the home fires burning. It's much the same. It's serving that same purpose, bringing hospitality, bringing Rose Festival, bringing celebration out to the community. And then modeling how amazing these young women are in today's high schools and growing into amazing leaders as well. Well, we're recording this in February, I should say. So things are just getting rolling. The court selection happens in March. The orientation meetings in April. And then for five weeks starting in May, they're out in the community. Now, you already have the pool that you're looking at. And I was looking at the seven or eight page form that they need to fill out. 
you did your research. <laughs> and I'm going, holy cow. When I, you know, they have to do put a lot of thought into it and they have to get recommendations right. as well. And so right. it's, it's a lot of work. It's very much like a college application. Right. So think of it as, as an amazing scholarship application. And they have to be able to prove their community service. So, um, you know, we're looking for their citizenship. We're looking for their community service. Obviously, they're going to need presentation skills. They're going to be meeting hundreds of people. And they're going to be speaking a lot in public. Um, Some of them maybe aren't ready for that today. But by May, (laughs) the young women on the court will be ready. And sometimes watching the transformation um, is as fun as anything in Rose Festival. I bet. Uh, seeing what it does for these young women. And we end up with 14, 15, however many it ends up being. It's a lot of teenage women who come together, form these friendships, and uh, do a lot of work on behalf of Rose Festival and the community and their individual neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And there's mentorship that goes along with it. Each one gets a female executive. They do. That mentors them and then a scholarship as well. So they it's do. And we've been doing that for um, close to 10 years now where they've gotten the mentorships. And, and that's an amazing part of it. And some of them stay so close to their mentors. I heard the story last week of one who went to New Orleans to her mentor's wedding. Oh, wow. um, they, they've stayed close. So it's a very, very special thing and a great opportunity. But it comes at a cost. Yeah, it does. You, know, you have to make choices. Spring, summer sports are out uh, yeah, and they, other activities. They do have to give up some of their activities. You know, obviously we honor their testing right. and the schools are wonderful and cooperative in helping to freeze their grades mm-hmm. and making sure that they are able to go do this without fear of, um, you know, losing out on anything from a scholastic standpoint. Right. And many of them are seniors, but there are also juniors oh, I didn't um, know that. that are now princesses on the court. It's interesting for us. Um, we've had a junior be Rose Festival Queen, and that's interesting when she's still in school and um, promoting the fact that she was on the Rose Festival court. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really good way to get the word out of what a tremendous opportunity it is for young women. Right. But they do have to make a choice of, can I give up You know, five weeks of my senior or my junior year and um, have this amazing opportunity with Rose Festival. The princesses, and we call them princesses. Mm-hmm. We didn't for a while. Right, I we remember were, that. We were very politically correct for I a while. I remember that. Then in 2007, we were celebrating our centennial. Um, our CEO came into my office, and he knew I had felt pretty strongly about doing away with the royalty part right. of it, the pageantry part of it. And he came in and he said, what do you think of announcing that we're going to go back to using the word princess. And I said, I think it's a fantastic idea. And I had heard enough of these young women say, we want to be called princesses. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with it? You know, let's redefine what a princess is. Right. We would make that announcement as we'd go from um, different civic events and uh, luncheons and dinners and it was got the biggest cheer of anything we announced <laughs> that year was that we were going back to calling them princesses. So that is one big element of the Rose Festival, but that is a small part of it, honestly. I mean, there's the two parades, the Starlight and the Grand Floral Parade, uh, the Starlight Run, there's the fireworks, City Fair, and the Dragon Boat Races, which are so much fun to watch. The Grand Floral Parade second largest floor parade in the United States. How much preparation 
goes into putting together these floats. I read once uh, years ago about the prep, and I couldn't remember it. It's, um, it is it is my life. So I've spent 40 years at Rose Festival, and 30-some uh, years of it has been as the manager of the Grand Floral Parade. So the Grand Floral Parade, near and dear to my heart, they call me the Parade Queen, <laughs> and that's why. But the Grand Floral Parade is it. It's the cornerstone of Rose yeah. Festival. Uh, it's pretty much the thing that started it all. And, yeah, it's a year-round thing. I mean, even more. It's probably more like a two-year plan. Um, you start thinking in advance. What can we do a couple years from now? Wow. Um, how can we get that entry into the parade? Or how can we bring back something that we've had in the past? We're watching other parades and other events around the world mm -hmm. and saying, what can we do to make the Grand Floral Parade more fun, even cooler, more grand, more floral? Mm -hmm. And of course, um, the the most popular piece are the amazing floats, which have to be covered with all natural material. Right. And those are expensive and time consuming to make. So right now, like you said, this is February. Yes. Probably too late to start thinking of an idea. We are, <laughs> we are now in the design phase yeah. for the floats for Grand Floral Parade. So we've been seeing designs um, for the past few weeks and the sponsors are choosing their design. So this is the time when they do. Yeah. Yesterday I was out looking at potential little things to put in our mini section. Um, for the last four years, we've had a La Petite Parade inside Grand Floral Parade that are mini versions of the big things we do. And that's given us an opportunity to bring back the community floats that mm -hmm. used to populate the parade back in the early 1900s. And so communities like Sherwood and Washougal and Hood River can have floats that are built on golf carts um, instead of having to do the huge expense of right. having the big floats. And we had 13 of those floats in the parade last year um, in this mini section. And yesterday we were out looking at other mini things we could put in the mini section. You know, we have mini clowns and mini horses. And, you know, it's a very popular part of the parade. Yeah. The other thing I did yesterday is something that's been part of my life for my career with <laughs> Rose Festival. Look for a place to build the floats. That's what I was going to ask. Uh, warehouses. We're running out of warehouse room in Portland. Absolutely so right. So where do they get built? It is such a challenge to find some place we can build that we can afford to build. Right. Because um, warehouse space is at a premium in Portland. So yesterday I went and looked at an amazing warehouse. And if you're ever with me when I'm looking at a warehouse, it's like, what is she so excited <laughs> about? Well, I'm excited about big doors that you can right. drive floats through and big open areas that, that we can lay out the floats, places we can put the flowers. It takes 25 to 40,000 square feet to build our parade. And, um, and if you do the math, that's a lot of money that it would take over the four months it takes to build the floats. Is everyone building floats in the same warehouse? We have an official builder. We okay. are very fortunate in Portland that we have an excellent professional float builder. Now, who would have professional float builders? Right. Really, there aren't very many in the world. Um, they have them in New Orleans. They have them around the Pasadena area, mm -hmm. obviously. And we have a fantastic um, official builder that we've had since 1995. 
but again, we still have to find a place to build uh, and for their crews to come in and then all the volunteers that last couple of weeks um, that come in to decorate the floats. So I've got my fingers crossed <laughs> that I've too, found now. a home for the floats this year. You're listening to Kink's Portland 50 series. I'll continue my conversation with Marilyn Clint in a moment, but I wanted to thank our sponsor. The Portland 50 series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. Now back to my conversation with Marilyn Clint, Chief Operating Officer and Director of Events and Communications at the Portland Rose Festival. So I've got to ask you how you get the floats from, let's say, the far east side to the Memorial Coliseum all in one piece, you know, without They have to any... move slowly. Yes. They have to be towed and they have to move slowly. So we've worked with fantastic volunteers um, from a four-wheel drive club that have helped us tow the floats. And then, of course, the Portland police are amazing in every way with Rose Festival. But one of their duties is to help move these floats in the middle of the night. I was going to say, probably <laughs> the middle of the night. Yes, absolutely. And if you've ever been to New Orleans during Mardi Gras and you've seen the floats move uh, through all the neighborhoods, through all the parades that they have, and often it's the same group of floats, and they move in the middle of the night. I've had the chance to do it. We only do it once. But we do it with floats that are laden with natural materials, with flowers, things that are very heavy. Um, sometimes they're, they're decorated with avocados or, or with artichokes or with apples. Um, last year, there was a particular onion that was decorating <laughs> one of the floats. And the natural materials don't have to all be flowers. I, was, I didn't know that until you just mentioned that. <laughs> they can be bark, um, you know, and... They can be an actual tree. So a float has a tree on it, and it's <laughs> somebody's um, tree has sacrificed some branches so that we could build a tree on a float. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, it is, it is hilarious. And my favorite line, you know, it's intricate seed work. There's a lot of seed work. Mm -hmm. And coconut, lots of coconut. After the parade... You used to store them by Lincoln High School, isn't that right, where people so, can go afterwards? So we now bring them down next to City Fair at the waterfront okay. on NATO Parkway. Um, we just drive them straight down from Lincoln High School is where we disband the parade. Mm -hmm. So everything ends there, and then the police bring them back downtown, and they're parked right outside City Fair, and people can come, come see them for Saturday and Sunday after the parade. Now, you've been there for 40 years. You've got to have many stories to tell about the Rose Festival, good and bad, funny and not so funny. <laughs> Give me some of your highlights. They're, they're, all, they're all funny oh, good. when you look back at them. <laughs> That's true. Right? That's true. In so, hindsight. You know, there, there are so many good things that go into making uh, an interesting festival. And for me, there are big stories and then there are little stories. And when you watch the Grand Floral Parade, and I recommend this to people when they look at the parade, to look for the stories behind the stories. Um, what's really important to me as an event producer is to build layers of mm -hmm. context into an event. So you might be looking at that float and think, wow, that's a really cool float, and look, it's got yay many roses on it or, or whatever. But there's probably a story behind the story of how that float was selected or, or who decorated it or um, what the meaning of that particular float th theme might have for someone. The other thing is 
choosing grand marshals. And the media always gets very interested in how we choose them and where the ideas come up with. And, and one of the prerogatives of being the president of the Rose Festival, the president of our board of directors, is to choose the grand marshal of the grand floral parade. That's got to be a lot of pressure, though. Well, it, it's really a group decision. Okay. Everybody works together on it. And my role has always been to try to fulfill the dreams of, of the presidents. If they have a particular person or thing they'd like to highlight, how can I help them do that? Ultimately, the ideas come from wherever they come from. So I was thinking, in fact, I was thinking just a while ago, um, I was looking at something near my office. My office itself is like a little museum of stuff, <laughs> right? I've got all my Rose Festival stuff. I encourage people to come to our office down at the waterfront and see uh, some of our memorabilia, which is amazing. And I was looking and I saw my Packy, the elephant button <laughs> that yeah. was up, on, uh, up next to my desk. And back in 2012, Packy was celebrating um, his 50th birthday, mm -hmm. right? And we love history at Rose Festival. We love the stories. We've been around 111 years. Right. So we love to allude back to the past. Uh, and we like to bring the 50-year court back every year in the Grand Floral Parade. So we invite the ladies to come ride as many as we can find who are still in the area or want to travel mm -hmm. and come ride in the Grand Floral Parade. Well, back in 2012, came to us at one of our many meetings. In fact, I remember it well, sitting in the middle of a thought thinking, Packy needs to be the Grand Marshal. <laughs> he's, he's turning 50. Packy's the one. This is 2012. <laughs> you know, obviously, a bull elephant right. can't be in the parade. Logistically, right? there are some issues with that. There are some issues. Uh, and so then, you know, calling the folks at, at the Oregon Zoo and saying, we want Packy to be the Grand Marshal. And we want to get together with you and figure out how can this work? How can Packy be Grand Marshal? And so then many more meetings um, over at the zoo started happening, working out, oh, how do we present Packy? Well, we present him as a float, right? Oh, yeah. Because that's what we do. And I do what I do, which is start researching what happened 50 years ago when Packy was born. Right. Because that was a big deal in Portland when Packy was born. Yeah. Everybody was on elephant watch. Uh, an elephant hadn't been born in captivity here in, in the United States. And so everybody was watching. I vaguely remember this. I was like six or seven years old. And it was a really big deal in my own household. So everybody's waiting for Packy to be born. Of course, the Rose Festival is watching as well. And they're thinking, this is 1962, and they're thinking, okay, well, can we put the baby elephant in the parade, <laughs> right? Put him in a car. Somebody carry him through the parade. Mm -hmm. Well, of course not. So what they did back in 62 was make a float that was a stork delivering the Aww. baby elephant. And then later they took that same float to Pasadena to be in the Tournament of Roses parade, you oh. know, for New Year's. Um, so that was months later. Well, the Rose Festival Queen back in 1962, Sherry Lynn Viggers from Grant High School, and she got to go to Pasadena awesome. as Rose Festival Queen there the, the next January, and the float was there. And this whole scandal erupted about whether Sherry should ride the float. The Rose Festival had no plans to let her ride the float. And 
Yet she was in Pasadena and the Tournament of Roses people said, oh, no, no, she needs to ride the float. We're going to go buy her a gown so she can ride on the float. And the stubborn folks at the Rose Festival said, oh, no, she's not going to ride the float. So it became this whole scandal. Uh, And Sherry was in the middle of it, the 17, 18 year old girl who was just uh, she'd ride the float if they told her to. she'd She'd do whatever. You know, she would love to ride the float, but she, you know, didn't care either way. But she became the center of this storm. Ultimately, she didn't get to ride the float. Mm. And she got a lot of public criticism. And I did all this research about it. I, this is right before we announced that Packy was going to be the Grand Marshal. And I felt terrible for Sherry. Yeah. I just thought, oh, my gosh, she's 18 years old. And now she's the center of a controversy about whether she rides a float. Not of her own choosing. One of my favorite phone calls I've ever made in my career was in 2012 to Sherry to call her and say, Sherry, hi, it's Marilyn from the Rose Festival. You know, you don't know me, (laughs) but I've been, you know, reading a lot about what happened to you 50 years ago. And I want you to know we're about to announce that Packy's going to be the Grand Marshal. We're doing a Packy float. We want you to ride it. Awesome. (laughs) And oh my gosh, if you could have heard the joy in her laughter. Oh, that's so neat. She laughed so hard. She called for her husband. Come here. <laughs> you've got to hear this. And uh, ultimately, she rode um, on the Packy float. And one of my favorite photographs I have from Rose Festival is that year, Sherry getting to feed Packy, get to finally meet the guy who brought her so much controversy exactly. in her young life. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, now I have to ask you, was it your idea to have the PDX carpet as a grand marshal? Because that still makes me laugh. So it came from one of our, what we call our creative team. Yes. And we were sitting around having a creative team. It may have actually come out of my mouth, <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if it did. I've had people tell me it did. One of the things that happen when you're collaborating is one idea builds off another idea. Right. But I, I knew that it needed to be right it needed to be something funky it was the story. and something fun yes and it, it is one of the most fun and by the way easiest grand marshal we've ever done <laughs> and huge thank you to port of portland and the folks at the airport and um, tsa and everybody who played along with us and oh, helped awesome. us out to make that happen and then we had this vision in our head of you know this rolled up carpet with googly eyes mm-hmm. and my sister who is one of our all-time volunteers at rose festival she collects everything and she has some googly eyes in her drawer <laughs> she brings out these googly eyes and this rolled up carpet was outside my office and she plops those eyes on on that carpet and we said oh my god he's <laughs> bored there he is <laughs> we had so much fun with it and oh my gosh got national news coverage for it because it was so portland yes it was hilarious and where is that roller carpet these days i believe he's gone to storage now okay. now um we we christened him pd mm-hmm. and he lived in our office for a long time and he went to many events he went to the symphony <laughs> one night he he's traveled to other fundraisers and he even went on part of the hood to coast ride <laughs> and when he came back from hood to coast he was uh, a little bit worse for wear. Yeah, a little bit of sand <laughs> yeah, and what happened. Yeah, that had been a little hard on him. But, um, yeah, he was, he was definitely a great grand marshal. I want to talk about one thing that I saw that, I again, I didn't know. Now, I knew that you guys have volunteers that distribute bags before the parades, and then afterwards they pick them up. A- and keeping the area clean before and after the parade is a, a big program for the Rose right, Festival. Right. 
Um, but one thing I didn't know is that PGE helps the Starlight and the Grand Floral Parade, and actually City Fair as well, be carbon neutral exactly. by buying carbon offsets. They do. How did that program come they about? They do. It all started as part of our Cleanest and Greenest program, which started in the 1990s. So that's more than 20 years. It's been 25 some years ago. Um, and it started out as a reaction to how are we going to keep the streets clean? Mm -hmm. And it grew into this large program. And sitting around the table early on, we were trying to decide what can we do as a volunteer-driven organization um, to help offset the costs of cleaning up after a parade. Parade makes a lot of trash. The people along the route make a lot of trash. And how can we educate people at the same time? And sitting around the table, we had folks from PGE because they're our longest-running sponsor and they're a fantastic partner of ours. And we had the folks from the Maintenance Bureau at the City of Portland who actually were doing the work, the heavy lifting, literally, of picking up the trash after the parades and sweeping the streets. And myself, and then we had a man by the name of Jack McGowan who led an organization called Solve and, you know, was an evangelist Mm -hmm. um, and brought passion and vision to the program amongst the the four entities rose festival included we came up with the idea of well let's start this parade cleanup and it started off with bags and it grew into really a volunteer initiative and an education to teach people about you know being responsible about trash being responsible about your footprint on this earth and um, it's made a huge difference. In Rose Festival, in the events world, you know, in the, the world out there of mm-hmm. special events, we're known as the cleanest and greenest festival in the world. That's and, awesome. And, and it's pretty accepted amongst all of our um, colleagues around the world that Rose Festival knows how to do it. And, mm-hmm. of course, that should be true of Oregon. Yep. Should be true of, of Rose Festival. And it has been for more than 20 years. We've Uh, been that top festival from that environmental standpoint. Yeah, that was impressive to read. Speaking of volunteers, this is a volunteer-driven event in so many ways, and I noticed a page on your website for volunteers. So each year, you welcome people to come and volunteer for what sort of roles? It can be for roles like we just talked about. We always need help with our parade cleanups. Mm-hmm. And we continue to need help in passing out bags and even picking them up after the parades and helping to get rid of that trash. So it can be something as not glamorous as helping with that, that thank goodness people in Portland think that's a cool thing to do. It in, is. In Oregon, we think it's yeah. cool to clean up the beaches and we like to clean up after our parades. But you also can come work in our office. You can help us do things, administrative things that need to get done to make Rose Festival happen every year. One of the most popular things people want to do is help decorate blood. Yes. Yep. Right? We talked about the intricate seed work. It takes a lot of fingers to yep. put the seeds on those signs that go on the floats. So that's a wonderful thing that you can do as well. And we are looking at volunteers also for our concert series that we have down at, at the park. That's right. We love to have people come and help greet our customers, stamp hands, um, do stuff in City Fair at Waterfront Park. Um, that's a big part of our volunteer program as well. And I know there will be other things that will come up. So you go to rosefestival.org and you can find the form to volunteer. Or people can always call our office. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always looking for people to help with the Rose Festival Court as well. It takes thousands of volunteer hours to run that court program. 
and um, doing everything from helping to launder the clothes that the girls wear, set up court headquarters, or actually help chaperone the girls as they go on their hundred and some visits Hmm. around the state. So we're always looking for volunteers. Many hands needed. Many, many hands needed. So uh, like I mentioned, we're talking in February. Things are gearing up. Rose Festival kicks off on May 25th. What is on your agenda besides the Rose Court? Let's just say for the next couple of weeks, what are your priorities getting ready for this? So um, that's a, that is a great question. Uh, you know, we get together every week and we talk about what are we looking at doing right now. And um, we talked before about getting the designs for the floats done. We're starting work on that already. We're starting work on all our parades. In fact, right now, anyone interested in being in Junior Parade or Starlight Parade can go to our website and find applications. And we're starting to get applications for entries in those events as well. Of course, City Fair, our big fair at the waterfront, takes tons of planning. And we've just completed a three-month plan for City Fair of what the programming is going to look like down there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we want to do some new fun things. And so we're talking about some digital type um, scavenger hunts and, yeah. you know, what what sort of thing is new and fun. And we have our traditional treasure hunt that we do, right. which is old fashioned, get, get the clues, the historic clues and go out and physically look for the treasure as it will. And, and people love that, but we're looking for some new and fun ways of doing things that are um, a little more technological as well. Exactly. So. With that in mind, thank you for taking time today and joining me for the Portland 50 podcast. We had to include the Rose Festival because nothing says Portland like the Rose Festival. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for my conversation with Marilyn Clint. If you've missed any of the previous podcasts, you can find them at our website, kink.fm. The Portland 50 is a podcast series celebrating Kink's 50th anniversary, and it's about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland, one company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950.